Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of What Most People Think. How how are you? You've been out, you've been out doing some shopping, yeah, you've been doing some non-essential retail, you fucking patriots. You, that's what it is now, shopping is patriotism. Forget, forget banging pots and pans or clapping for carriers. If you really want to fund public services in this country, then you get out there and you buy that shitty maxi dress, love. Yeah? That's obviously the right shop's mind. You've got to go to the right shop. You can't be queuing outside JD Sports or, you know, Sports Direct. It's got to be, it's got to be Waitrose. If you queue outside Waitrose, you're, you're a good human being. But, you know, if you're one of those awful working class people that, uh, you know, is on a budget then you're disgusting. Anyway, welcome to What Most People Think. Speaking of things that appeal to the masses like um, Primark, this is the show, What Most People Think. It's about trying to come to a sensible view of a majority view in Britain. And it's a bit right of centre, it's a bit Brexity, but uh, we can swing the other way, you know. I'm, uh, I can be politically non-binary, so we're going to be talking about uh, the last week. It's sort of like a, a topical show in a way. It's become now. I've been doing it weekly, and I've got to say, I've got to say, um, with the last few weeks, how batshit crazy everybody's gone. Eight point four million people furloughed. Everyone acting like nutters. I think. I think I've come to a view on universal basic income. I think it's the worst idea ever. I don't think this country is set up to have that many people sitting on their asses because it seems to create civil unrest and bad decisions. Uh, but just before we crack on, welcome to the show. This show's been weekly since lockdown, and that is partly due. I mean, first up, thank you to everybody who downloads it and recommends it, uh, and subscribes and reviews, but also my VIP Patreon and all the Patreon community who have been helping keep it weekly and ad free. So just welcome a couple of new VIP patrons David Kerr and Julian Johansson. Julian Johansson sounds like, sounds like a right back for Aston Villa. We always do a, a weekly cuss count as well here. My good friend David Domain keeps me up to date with my swearing tw- trends. And last week was a belting week. Let's go through them. One arse, one bastard, 12 fucks, one fucked, 24 fuckings. Tw- we'll, come, we'll come back to that in a minute. 24. One piss, seven shits, <laughs> one shat, obviously the past tense of shit, two twats and a wanky. Now... Um, I, I would I would plead mitigation for the twenty four fuckings. Was that last week we were of course talking about big issues. We were talking about trans issues. We were talking about statues, race protests, race riots, and you know sometimes when a comedian is under pressure, they will resort to that word. So you know I think for, uh, swearing has its place, but I'll certainly look to flatten that curve this week. This week we will be talking about um, talk about Marcus Rashford or Daniel Rashford or you know whatever he's called. Um, Peter Hitchens. We'll be talking about poor leadership. We'll also be doing a little bit of men's mental health, which we haven't done um, for a few weeks. So all that is uh, all that is coming up. Just a, a quick thank you. I went and did an actual day of work 
on Monday in a place. And uh, it was funny because as I was getting ready to leave the house, I was sort of saying to the missus, I was like, right, that's it. <sighs> going to work. Guess this is going to be, because I've got a four-year-old son, right? And I was like, I guess it's going to be, I guess it's going to be a bit weird for you guys. You know, just, that's right. Be brave. Don't. Don't, no, no tears, no tears. Don't, don't look up to the television. Yeah, do what you're doing. Keep on watching fucking Homes Under the Hammer. Yeah, you're being so brave. Now I sort of realised that they weren't fussed at all, and it was just me. I was, uh, I was emotional about it. Um, but I went and did my day's work, and I had, I had a Starbucks cup of tea. Now I know all the lefties out there, Jeff. No, Starbucks don't pay any tax. I'm like, on the other hand, on the other hand, they do have the best tea. I'm a big tea fan, and they have a proper tea bag. The Costa one is absolute shit. Um, and I had a gingerbread man. I'm sorry, again, yeah, it was a man, okay? That's our thing, ladies. If you want to be like a little baked good, yeah? Well, you could be, what, French fancies? They're probably female, aren't they? <laughs> if you had to gender stuff, you know what they do in, uh, in French and German? A French fancies female. Well, you know what? A gingerbread man is a man, so it's going to be a man. So deal with it. Uh, and a quick fuck you is just the staff in shops getting a big excitable with the power that they've got now. I don't know, has anyone else found this? I'm, I'm pretty socially distanced when I go in a shop. I respect the one-way systems that are in place. You know, not everybody does. And I've, I've certainly noticed that the people's fear about the virus has been dropping off that the, 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 the level of worry in old fat blokes has certainly levelled out a bit, isn't it? Like a few weeks ago, the old fat blokes, they were fucking hiding in corners, do you know what I mean? You go past them, they jump into the frozen foods. But um, but yeah, the staff that enforced them. We were, we were, in, a, um, we were in a cafe the other day, and me and my wife just, just walked in to stand two metres behind the other guy. And this woman, who was behind a screen and had uh, a face mask on, was like, oh, will you wait outside there? You, excuse me, could you please wait outside there? I was like, oh my God, do you know what I mean? If we'd, uh, if we'd been living in the Third Reich, I know what kind of role you'd have had <laughs> in the whole thing. She just seemed to be a bit too happy about the power that she had. So, you know, I know that as we keep saying, people are working frontline retail are heroes. Everyone's a fucking hero now. Yeah, so all I'm saying is people working in frontline retail, you know, we want to get back, we want to support the high street, but if you're going to get a bit cocky, all right, then I'm going to keep going with the fucking Amazon. <laughs> So let's start off by talking about uh, Marcus Rashford, the Man United striker, and his campaign to extend the uh, free school meals vouchers over the summer. Now, first up, you know, look, the government had done things to uh, account for the hardships that would be faced by people. But the truth of the matter is, obviously, then, you know, like a lot of things, they hadn't communicated it well enough. And so this guy, footballer, comes along with a conscience, right, a socially conscious footballer. Jeez, I'm, I'm old enough to remember, like, a football having a conscience mean he'd turn up at a local primary school fucking hungover and have a kickabout like, for a few hours. <laughs> Things have changed, you know what I mean? Like, back in the day, a socially conscious footballer would have been the only one that didn't spray like drinking Gazza's face when he did the dentist armchair. You know, that would have been woke back then. <laughs> Do you remember like when people like Pat Nevin, he was called like the professor or something just because he read The Guardian. Uh, I can think of other names to call a Guardian reader. But he... Um, but he started this campaign, and obviously at the moment, you know, people want to feel something all the time on the left, don't they? This young, brilliant, you know, what a great spokesman for his generation, Marcus Rashford. And then the thing that annoyed me about it, in the end, I was on side with the idea. 
that the government should just sign it off. It wasn't that much money. Um, it had got a bit of momentum, and, and and it was pretty badly handled by Boris because if he'd done it, you know, if he'd been a bit more on top, he could have got Marcus Rashford to PM. He could have um, to number ten. He could have said, "All right, I'll do your, I'll do your thing." You got to pose with me for a photo. Brilliant PR, you know. Lucky and Rashford might not have wanted to put his arm around Boris Johnson, but to get it over the line, he might have done it. But instead, it's this classic thing now where things build up on Twitter, and by the time you say yes to the thing, the damage politically uh, is already done. What I did like object to about the campaign to get it to that point was just the emotive language that, that is sometimes used on the left. Right? This is it's always a problem that I have with the left is that. Well, it's got to be that kids are going to starve. Well, 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 we're happy for, you know, the nation's children to starve. I thought, well, it's not going to be a case of starving, is it? You know, the budgets are going to be tighter. But they have to go, don't they? To the most extreme, extreme language to make their point. It's the same, of course, with Brexit and all the no deal planning. You know, everything's going to fall off a cliff. Everything is... uh, Everything's a catastrophe, and that just doesn't play out well with me. And maybe that's like a personality type, and maybe it's a personality defect. But I just don't like being like uh, manipulated by language. You know, it's the same reason that a lot of people get involved in domestic arguments, don't they? Have you ever seen that with blokes and women? There's a problem between men and women is that women often, when they're upset, will be quite absolutist in their language, won't they? They'll say, you never help me wash up. And a man will be like, whoa, never? I did it twice. And so you have this argument, essentially, but it comes down to semantics. And then she'll say, no, I didn't mean that you never do it. It's just at the moment it feels like you never do it. And you're like, well, if it feels like I never do it, if we're going on feelings here, then we're not really having the same discussion. And I sometimes feel like that politically uh, about the left. But you, you better get used to this. You better get used to this. Because I think what's happened, right, this is, this is my analysis, is that the left... They're doing things at the moment and they're, they're pushing causes in a way that's so obviously going to alienate the kind of people they should have been willing back. And I'm not talking about school vouchers here per se, but some of the more extreme ends of identity politics is it does seem like they've kind of realised, right, you know, public uh, Westminster voting intentions polling are still in the mid 40s for this Conservative government after a pandemic, which they've clearly uh, had some very poor moments. Right. So they've sort of gone, fuck it. Let's not even try and win power. Let's just, let's topple some statues. Let's just campaign on Twitter. And this is the way that it's going to be now. The left is going to become a cause-based movement. This isn't going to be the last time that you're going to see a sportsman with a campaign. Do you know what I mean? You're going to see, you're going to, you're, they're going to be doing all sorts. Of, like it, it will get to a point like where the lower league players have like really poor campaigns. They'll be campaigning to like reopen the scout hut in fucking South End or something. But it, this is, and the agents now, because I, I work in entertainment, this is how it works. I have no doubt that Marcus Rashford is a young man with a social conscience, right? So but he's the first guy to do something like this. You know that the next guy, you know, when Harry Kane, like, is opening the Harry Kane refuge for, like, <laughs> for battered women. I wasn't laughing at the battered there. I was laughing at the idea of Harry Kane jumping on a bandwagon. You know, or if you get, like, the Jermaine Defoe, Home for a, like abused dogs. <laughs> it's what they'll be doing. It's just you know, it's a, it's a change. It's a change. It's gonna be, it's gonna be constant, isn't it? Now because um, they've realised that they can get a win. I was kind of like with the government. I understood that they might want to take a stand here and say, look, you know, we can't just be pushed around on Twitter the whole time. This isn't the way that politics is done. And and you know, there is something 
massively undemocratic about it. That's what bugs me. It's not always... People talk about woke politics, like they have a problem with wokeism per se. I usually disagree, but what bothers me is the lack of overall consent for the viewpoints in the first place, right? How many people hold this viewpoint? How, how are they getting things over the line? It's because they make people in power shit themselves, at, you know, at, at seeming unpopular. You know, they're all running scared of being fucking hashtags. And then, uh, and then Boris, um, Boris tried to claim that he didn't. Uh, he said, oh, well, I've, I've, I've only become um, aware of this campaign today. <laughs> Come on, mate. Come on, don't be like, don't take the piss, Boris. He's sort of like, uh, he's sort of like the bloke in the office that that uh, was going to try and get away without sponsoring the guy running a marathon, wasn't he? He's like, oh, oh, mate, oh, yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, so I just haven't. What's yeah? What what am I down for? What am I down for? And clearly, he's not into it. And you know, the government they um they, they they're not handling things well because on the one hand they were they were prevaricating over this 120 million or whatever it is to extend. School vouchers, but then they're, you know they're, they're uh, you know they're releasing a new plane with the Union Jack on it. Now all of these things have arguments in and around them, but the simple optics of it aren't good. And I came out in the end on Twitter and I said that I was you know I thought that maybe the school uh, vouchers thing. I understood that them pushing back on trending causes, but the school uh, vouchers thing wasn't necessarily the hill to die on. Then of course I got stick from right wingers who rightly are asking, well where where does this all stop? You know, like where where does the state's role in caring for kids end? And I think it's you know it's a legitimate question. There's already more and more things that the state is doing. You know, like Breakfast Club, and um, you know I think there there are some. What what pisses me off is the universality of it. It's not the idea that you would um, that you provide breakfast for the most impoverished kids. It's just that you know that there's loads of other kids going in there. I know I know family members have got kids that are just skipping breakfast at home because they're getting a better breakfast at school because they let them have bacon and stuff, you know? <laughs> it's not means-tested. That's the problem. We should be means-testing these kids, you know, when they turn up for breakfast club. We go, all right, what you got in the bag? What you got in savings, offshore? Anything else you got going there? Yeah, just before we give you this sausage roll there, that mobile phone looks pretty new. <laughs> so I guess all I'm saying is, is that we've got, just got to be cautious here that we don't get ourselves in a constant cycle of campaigning online for things whereby and it won't things won't get this is the problem things won't always get through because they're the right thing to do they'll get through because there's an emotional weight behind them that becomes irresistible right arguments will continually be be won on emotion and it will be like you know it'll be like that couple where the missus always wins the domestic because ultimately she's willing to take it up to a point that the bloke just isn't willing to go to you know she goes DEFCON 1, he goes, yeah, I'll see you at DEFCON 1. She goes DEFCON 2, he's like, all right, DEFCON 2. She goes 3, 4, 5, fuck it, he's out of there. It's what, he's not willing, he's not willing to launch new, <laughs> mutually assured destruction. And that's the point, is when you're always winning arguments by using words like starving, you know, it's the same when it comes down to kids going back to school, is that, you know, people, if you question why kids aren't back at school yet. A lot of people say, well, it's because, you know, it's because we don't want our grandparents to die. <laughs> You're thinking, okay, here we, you know, what, can we, is it even possible for us to have, like, a sensible discussion here? It's because we don't want teachers to die, Jeff. Yeah? I'm like, okay, now what I want to talk about is risk versus reward, about what is the overall damage of a generation of kids not going back. And some people would say, well, they're not going back to do very much. And that's not the point. 
is like, um, it's not healthy, man. Like, this has gone on since March. Then we run into the summer holidays. These kids are going to get, you know, the only love that they're going to have for parents is going to be like a version of Stockholm Syndrome because they're just going to feel like they were kept hostage during an early stage in their life, you know, you're gonna, they're gonna go, like when it goes to counsel, like the psychological problems of this generation of kids, they'll be really weird, they're gonna be really weird, they won't feel like, they won't feel like they're loved until someone is playing with a hula hoop with them in the fucking garden, you know, they'll be so clingy, they'll be the clingiest kids, and that's not, I understand why, you know, people are hesitant about keeping their kids homes, but it feels like that's got detached from the, you know, the reality, you know, and this is where the left might become successful as a cause-based movement. And maybe there's a certain pragmatism about, about it with the kids now. They've just gone, yeah, fuck it. There's no way we're going to win power. Labour are never getting anywhere in Scotland. There's no way that Labour could win a majority at this point. Let's just let's just screw this Conservative government week on week. Let's send them on so many guilt trips that we'll send them a fucking postcard, right? And you know what? Maybe there's a kind of sense in that. Just a quick shout out to some middle tier patrons. We've got Alison, Clark, uh, Ian, just Ian on his own, mysterious Ian, single name Ian, Pele Ian, uh, and Andrew Roberts. Welcome on. Thanks for your continued support. If you want to support the podcast and keep it weekly and ad free, uh, go on Patreon. Go on Patreon and look up what most people think or Jeff Norcott and pick the tier that suits you best. And, um, you know, I'm, I might be doing another new material online gig, which I did recently, and everyone seemed to enjoy that. I'm building up to it again. So I noticed that um, there are a few people that joined to be Patreon for the new material gig and then fucked off again. I see you, yeah, using the language of the left. Have you seen that where they do that? Yeah, you, you know, people people not taking the knee and people not send, uh, sharing links for Black Lives Matter. We see you. We see you. No, I see you. I see you seeing me. Now we're all seeing each other. Just on that note, just briefly, I didn't expect to be talking politics. It is totally possible to support the concept of Black Lives Matter and increased uh, you know, equality for black people and a focus on the relationship with the police without supporting the specific organisation of the same name in Britain who, once you get past the race stuff, have got sort of Marxist, anti-capitalist, anti-nuclear family beliefs. Do you ever notice that with a lot of these organisations? When you scratch beneath the surface, it was like Extinction Rebellion. When you scratch beneath, why does it always end up with Marxism? <laughs> like, you know, like these organisations, Hope Not Hate, Momentum, fucking Extinction Rebellion, and now the, the UK Black Lives Matter organisation. You scratch down, there's all this fucking Karl Marx there, isn't there? Every time, oh, hello, Karl. Yeah, I thought it would be you. He's like a... He's like a returning character, isn't he? He's like, hey, it's me, it's Karl Marx, once again, damn it. And if it wasn't for you pesky conservatives, I'd have got away with it. What most people think. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit here about leadership as a way of looking at some uh, recent stories. I think we get, we're getting terrible leadership off a lot of different kinds of people at the moment, and that includes, for one, well, Mr. Creosote himself, because he's always on the fence, Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer. Now let's look at Keir Starmer. He has not taken a, a fixed stance on anything, has he? I mean, if you look at Brexit, we've discussed this many times about his six text tests for Brexit. He couldn't just say, "Look, I, I absolutely do not think this should happen." He come up with these tests as a kind of uh, linguistic straitjacket because because uh, he's so smart and he's so forensic. You know, he didn't think anybody could see for it. Well, they saw for it in the Labour heartlands. Let me tell you that much. Um, then with lockdown, you know, he said we we're slow going into it, slow coming out of it. And like, well, when would you have done it, Kia? He's like, well, I, I don't know. 
well, you're gonna you're gonna contradict the um, the medical senior voices in this country. He's like, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. And then with schools, you know, he had, he had the temerity to talk in the House of Commons. And, you know, I think Boris maybe overdid it. We kept going back to him to the questions. But he, it's a fair question. He hasn't picked a side, has he, Keir Starmer? Pick a fucking team, Keir. He's like, no, no. He just wants to be on his home ground. He, he likes asking questions, but he doesn't fucking like giving answers, does he? I think, I think it's going to be a, a problem for him. And there's always, like, uh, the risk that he's going to get outflanked on the left. You know, when it came to um, condemning the the violent protests uh, among the people that are in London protesting or protecting statues, right, he, um, he, he didn't go as far as Boris, right? Boris denounced them as, as racist thugs, right? He didn't go as far as that. And then when it came to the extension of the furlough scheme, Rishi Sunak went further than Keir Starmer actually asked for. So there is this possibility of him getting outflanked on the left and it's going to harm him on both sides and then of course there was the slight own goal from Labour this week when uh, Marcus Rashford got his campaign across the line the Labour Party Twitter uh, account tweeted we did it <laughs> you're thinking you, what, what did you do what did you do you basically at that point Labour were acting like sort of John John Terry doing the full kit wanker thing they were coming down weren't they with a whole kit on the shin pads everything they were like Labour at that point were like that dad, you know what I mean? That dad who like hogs the gas and air during childbirth. <laughs> we did it, amazing, you know, because they're not they're not leading things, and that's the other issue with this. What I was saying a minute ago about the left becoming a cause based movement is that Labour could find themselves well behind the curve, and kind of you know extraneous to like a lot of these causes have got a kind of got a straight line to the government at the moment, which is social media and the pressure they can build therein. They might not need the Labour Party anymore. And, you know, that's why that's why it breeds something like Sadiq Khan. So let's talk about Sadiq Khan for a minute here. He is, right, I think the grand... He is beset by ironies, Sadiq Khan. He, he sort of claims to hate gesture-based politicians and vain politicians like Trump and like Johnson. But that is exactly who he is himself. That's exactly who he is himself. He's always there. He's in flaming tensions. I mean, you look at, like, the, the sudden actions after uh, the removal of the statue of Edward Coulston helped fan the flames of what happened the following weekend with protests in London. Because he just thought, I've got to be seen to be doing something here. This is the guy that, you know, banned the Beach Body Ready campaign, the moment that he was trending on Twitter in and around Me Too. This is the guy that, on Transport for London, pixelated... Images of bacon, butter and jam on a poster. Because, you know, God forbid, you know, we can't stop kids getting stabbed in London, but we can, uh, we can stop them coming face to face with a nice breakfast, right? He's, he's a stance. That's all he is. So they can't, it's just, he just takes stances on things. What does he believe in? What, does he, what vision does he have for London? What has he made better? I don't know. But I can, tell, I can tell you a lot of his tweets, right? I can tell you a lot of the people that he's fallen out with. And that is... That is the the irony about him. He's quite Trumpian, and it's poor it's poor leadership because it doesn't actually enter. It doesn't actually sort of lead to any any resolution in the long run. He just wants to get elected. He's a, he's a Twitter politician in a Twitter city, really. So in a way, you know, London and him they kind of deserve each other because it plays out well within his constituency, but not outside of it. And you look at other poor examples of leadership. You look at, um, you know, and again, we're in terms of fanning the flames of racial tensions. You look at, you know, people in TV and, and, and bosses of corporations where, you know, they took knee-jerk reactions 
to the Black Lives Matter movement. Nobody on the Black Lives Matter marches was chanting about removing 40 towers. I saw one video from last weekend where a lad from the Black Lives Matter marches was uh, speaking to a white guy and the guy said something. He said to the white guy, he said, um, he said, we don't care about statues, we care about people. And I thought, yeah, why not just let the people from the movement speak instead of like taking these knee-jerk, we're going to have a review of every statue, right? We're going to have, uh, we're going to take, we're going to take TV shows off the air. It's just arse covering, it's just arse covering. You know, we're going to cover up Winston Churchill. I'll tell you something. God bless Dame Vera Lynn, who died you know, earlier today as I'm recording this. And God bless her. that She had to live to see fucking Churchill's statue get boarded up. For fun. Do, you, do you not think that she just looked at that and went like, you know, you know what? Like in Dragon's Den, fuck it, I'm out. Okay? <laughs> I'm out. But on a positive note, you know, I think, um, I think it was great that she stuck around long enough that we really did meet up again post-lockdown. And sorry, I'm going off on a Dame Vera Lynn tangent here. I think I've gone full gammon now. I'm getting fucking upset. But that song is a good song. Um, but yeah, I think she tapped out. I think she saw the boarded up statue of, of Churchill and she thought, okay, I don't know where this country's going. I'm done. But, um, you know, and then you look at the decisions taken by universities and the rise in, in kind of cancel culture on campuses. Now, I don't know if you saw this video, but Peter Hitchens, he was walking down the road and he is being followed by... Uh, a protest. I don't think they were there just to protest against Peter Hitchens, but they uh, obviously followed him on and they were chanting, uh, I don't know, but I've been told. First up, if you want to claim that we're not currently importing identity politics from the States, don't be using the stereotypical call and response of uh, an American drill sergeant. And it just proves the point again, I've, I've said before, is that, um, you know, middle class people can't do chants. They're not good at chants, are they? They get, I don't know, but I've been told Peter Hitchens got to go. Go from where? What, do, what are you talking about? He's, he's a journalist. Well, you want to get him pulled down or covered up? or what do you, Just because he has a different opinion that he doesn't believe Cecil Rhodes' statue should come down? Can we just... I, I don't give a fuck about statues that much. I, I kind of resent having to have an opinion on it. Do you know what I mean? I just, I just don't get it. I just, I'm not, not motivated one way or the other. But what I am motivated for is the idea that someone could have a strong argument as to why we shouldn't take them down. And it doesn't mean that they need to be cancelled. And honestly, if you've got the time to pursue a fucking journalist down the street... This is so weird. You've got to understand, I'm 43 now. If you're listening to, listening to this, when you, uh, if you're younger, just... Journalists being protested against down the street. What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? It's kind of Trumpian as well. That's the irony. Is the kind of people that were following uh, Peter Hitchens down the street. The last thing of the world that they think that they were was kind of Trumpian in nature. But I tell you something. Going after journalists, we saw evidence of it at the Black Lives Matter protest. We saw video footage there. We saw even more of it uh, the following weekend when people came to protect the statues. And now we see it following Peter Hitchens. Where does this end? That's the question. You know, people have been giving right-wing comedians a lot of stick because we always talk about the the thin end of the wedge and the reason why we kick up, you know, and we talk about, you know, ridiculous identity politics from... The last few years is because we can sort of see where it's going, and now now we've arrived. And I tell you something, I get a lot of people, left wing and liberal people in the TV industry. They text me, and they're worried too. But of course, you know they're fucking scared to speak out. It'd be helpful if they did speak out, because it would create a more balanced view that this isn't just coming from people who are right of centre. So I think you know collectively we are being you know if there are, and I don't think that there are, I don't think the racial tensions are between 
black and white. And that was, I felt sick last week watching that, waiting to see if it was going to fully kick off. I know that there were outbreaks and skirmishes and some people got viciously attacked. But overall, I don't think that the truck is that way. I think that the Black Lives Matter protest had their uh, objectives. And I think the people that came to protect the statues were actually angry with the establishment for what they perceived to be double standards, right? Double standards in policing and these knee-jerk reactions in terms of removing uh, removing television programs and, and covering up Winston Churchill. I mean, I know it's symbolic, right? But Winston Churchill's pretty much come... <laughs> if you're just thinking about playing the odds, Winston Churchill's come top of pretty much every Greatest Britain poll, okay? But this, this culture war continues unabated and there are just people, you know, in, in liberal circles and the one, the people that control culture that are now seeing where identity politics can end up and they're also scared of it, but they're scared too that speaking out against it is a tacit association with the wing of politics that they fear to be associated with. Okay, I just thought we'd do a bit of uh, men's mental health here because we haven't done that for a while. It's just a simple point, I guess, as we're coming out of lockdown. Now, I don't know about you, but I have, I've carried on working, but I have had a chance to spend more time with my wife and kid than I normally do, particularly with my kid. And, you know, it's been great. It's been great. I've done, uh, I've done more with it. Have I done? <laughs> I'm just being my wife here in this going, yeah, really, Jeff? I can just imagine those eyes. Look, I, I've spent time with him. Look, I have selflessly got up in the morning and watched superhero films with him that I also wanted to watch. That is good parenting. That is good parenting. But I, um, but yeah, just been around him more, and I really like that and stuff. But then this week, I went and did my first actual out of the house job, as I say, and I could just feel my brain shifted. Do you know what I mean? Like it's very easy. One one thing that I totally disputed about the end of lockdown was people talking about the new normal, this, that, and the other is that I think if there's another wave, it might change people. If there's another wave of the virus, it might change people's behaviour for good. But the truth is mostly, what most of us are looking for now, is a return to normality. You know, like getting football back and then realising that football actually is a bit like McDonald's. You know, you thought about it for a long time and thought it would make you happy, but actually it just made you sleepy. But I guess I felt my head going back to old ways. Do you know what I mean? Getting totally locked down and obsessed with work and getting that manic head on about plans and scheming in the, not scheming in a bad way but just to get projects off the ground and stuff and I suppose that's like it would be a real shame if like in lockdown we didn't take any of, any of the the good things forward because there was that period wasn't there at the beginning where we were all doing the virulent thing you know keep smiling through and then towards the end of it we're fuck all that we'll meet again we're like I don't want to meet certain people again actually I uh, quite enjoyed not <laughs> quite enjoyed not hearing from those twats. Um, so yeah, that is the question of how you doing. I know that a lot of people now will be finding. Certainly, a couple of my mates are already finding that they're going to be working from home on an ongoing basis. You know, so as much as there's a there's a mental problem for some people that are going back to work physically and and not taking some of the good stuff from having been at home with them. There are some people that have always been expecting to go back to the office that now that now are. Because I'm going to miss, you know, my son goes to school full time in September. And I know, I already know I'm going to, I'm going to miss it. You know, that moment that happens, that's it. He's going to school then. Unless he's like, you know, unless he's a Denlo. <laughs> he, he, um, 
Even when we go to school and I was saying to my wife, like, because we're near where we live, where the, the route I, I take to walk the dog, the playground, you know, I walk past the playground. I said, you know what, babe? I said, I think I'm probably, I think I'm probably going to, when he does start going to school, I'll be one of those dads that I'll just walk past and just, just hang around and just look into the school and see if I can get a glance on him. And she said, do you realise, like, in this day and age, how unacceptable that is? <laughs> you could suddenly flip that to inside the school, like, miss, miss. That man in the coat is with his dog again, staring at us. Okay, don't worry, kids. I'll get everything on lockdown. Just stay where you are. So letters. Let's do a couple of letters. We only got three this week. Um, this is from Dave, who says, They say the older you get, the more right-wing you get. Um, but everyone has that mate who is like Benjamin Button. Okay. 40 years ago, they were like Jimmy Jones. Now they're like Owen Jones. <laughs> well put. I see what you mean. There is, I think it is a cliche to say that, I mean, there's certainly an effect that mortgages have on people. I've often thought that, you know, they talk about the voting age being 18 or being lower. I don't think anybody should be able to vote unless you've got a mortgage. Then you've got skin in the game. Then you can't just go with these kind of like pie in the sky bollocks, you know, forget inclusiveness. How does this affect the housing market? Um, but yeah, no, I, I know a few people like that. I've got a couple of mates that have gone more left wing as they've got older. I think, you know, maybe it's because they've, They've chilled out a bit. They've they've mellowed. Unless, of course, you mean you have actually got a friend that's like Benjamin Button. Like, you've got a friend that is freakishly becoming a a young man throughout his life. I mean, I would say the the first thing I would check there, mate, is Botox. Because the thing about Botox with men, it happens. I had a mate that got all Botoxed up. And I I just remember one day I was like, I saw him and I went, mate, you you look fantastic. You look so well. Jesus Christ. And I kept on, I kept on plugging it with him. I was like, "My God, mate, you look so inventive." All right, yeah, good. All right, you know, I've had Botox. Good for you. Well done for working it out. I was like, I fucking didn't work it out. <laughs> but now what I'm working out is uh, what your new nickname's gonna be. What most people think. What's the next letter we got here? Uh, we got one from Phil in Hounslow. He says, uh, "I'm finding the same issue with fast food." Okay, so this is what I mentioned last week about I'm having trouble getting my fast food sea legs back. Uh, I always, I sort of dreamed about having it, and then they've sort of made me feel a bit sick. Um, so Phil was finding the same thing. He says, "This isn't who I wanted to be." <laughs> my my kid has missed school, and now I can't touch a KFC. This virus doesn't care who it hurts. <laughs> I like the, uh, I like the melodrama at the end there, Phil. Yeah, I so I had um, I had a couple of McDonald's. I enjoyed the idea of it. Do you know what I mean? I enjoyed I enjoyed the beginning of it. But then it just felt like a chore. So it felt a bit like sex in middle age, to be honest. Um, and then I had a KFC. Now, I, regular listeners will know I am a devotee of the Colonel. If I had one ideology, it would be the 11 secret herbs and spices. Um, well, I think one of those herbs and spices is clearly salt. And I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not in practice of eating that much salt in one go. I felt like absolute shit afterwards. I felt like absolute shit. I'll tell you how shit I felt. I had a two-piece chicken meal... With two hot wings on the side. I didn't eat the hot wings. That is not me. That is something has something has changed and I didn't want it to change. Because that was my thing. You know what I mean? I used to be in a different town or city and I feel a bit sad. And then I go for a little KFC and I would feel a bit sad, but in a different way. You know, sitting in a sitting in a traffic jam trying to get into a, a dry <laughs> a KFC. That's a different kind of sadness, but you know, it it, it varies the pace. We've got a letter of a hypothetical political fight here. So this is from Tracy, and she says, who do you think would win a fight between Peter Hitchens and Owen Jones? Well, you know, it's a good letter in a week where we've seen Peter Hitchens 
walking away from that protest, as the youngsters say, like a fucking G. He was just bowling out there, did not give a, a fuck. Now, Owen Jones, Peter Hitchens, I'm going to really be forensic about this. I'm going to do a Keir Starmer on this. Peter Hitchens is an older man, all right? Now, I don't, he's got bulk, he doesn't give a fuck, but he's an older man. That counts, that counts for a lot. Owen Jones, on the other hand, you might think, you know, you might think, oh, he's a bit of a snowflake. He's got quite like a tight little uh, posture there. Do you know what I mean? I think he's got quite a low centre of gravity, probably. He's probably, you know, growing up up north, he might have been bullied a bit. Uh, I think he might have got used to... Uh, I think he might have got used to throwing the odd... I think he'd be all elbows, Owen Jones. Do you know what I mean? You'd be thinking, these punches aren't connecting. But then you go, and you go what is Marks? You go, he's, he's done me with the fucking elbows, hasn't he? He's, he's done me with the elbows. Peter Hitchens versus Owen Jones. I think Hitchens has got the bulk, but he's quite a paunchy man, isn't he? I think if... If I'm just, look, I told you on this podcast I'm going to be politically fair. I'm not just going to say Peter Hitchens because, you know, the main people that follow me would like that. I'm going to say this. is I'm going to give this one to Owen Jones. He'll get inside. He'll work the body. He'll probably guilt trip him as well. He'll probably throw in some emotive left-wing language. He'll beat the shit out of him, but they'll still manage to get the sympathy of his followers as he walks away and <laughs> Peter Hitchens lies unconscious on the floor. That is the podcast for this week, and I'll just do a few before. Oh no, we've got some three pound patrons to read out here. We've got Graham Smith, Phil, not the Graham Smith. Jesus Christ, is he still batting? Is he? Fucking hell, I remember. Oh, just on a quick note, how is cricket not back? How is cricket not back? Cricket is naturally socially distanced, right? The slip fielders, if they're any good, they should be standing two meters away from each other, right? And and staggered. Yeah, like the person down at third man, he's got no... They even shine the little ball, don't they? They Or if you you know, the Australians, they might take the odd layer off the ball if they're feeling a bit cheeky. So, and you know, county cricket grounds... I mean, if there's one sport that makes sense on television without uh, an actual crowd there, it's test cricket. I, how many day or four or five matches where they go, right, today there is strict social distancing in place, so you'll probably be sitting closer to people than you normally would. Get cricket back, for fuck's sake. Um, Phil Amari, Phil, Phil Omar, Phil Omar and Kerry Warner. So thank you for your patronage. We'll just read out a few new reviews. Let's see what people had to say this week. Um, we've got laughter and agreement from The Collector. Well, you sound sinister. From The Collector. Was I talking about this the other week? About how action heroes always speak and breathe out at the same time. I don't know why that is. Russell Crowe's probably the greatest exponent. He always sounds like he's speaking off about one lung. He's just got maybe half a lung to speak of, or he just sounds like a fucking pervert. Uh, it says, always makes me, um, always makes me, just always makes me. Is that a full stop, or have I got a little bit of shit on my laptop? Just always makes me. Um, agree with your views, and of course a Star Wars fan, of course. Uh, this is Breath of Fresh Air from RJCW101, which just sounds like a... A radio station in the States. Welcome to RJCW 101. We're playing all the hits. Shania. Um, <laughs> uh, breath of fresh air and welcome reassurance that not everyone has gone stark raving bonkers in recent years. Yeah, it's gone a bit mad. You know when people you say, oh, the world's gone mad. I always thought there was a bit of hyperbole in that phrase. But now I think uh, I think they're understanding it. Um, this is from Hasnat9. Uh, I agree with him and enjoy the show 80% of the time and think he's an absolute bell in the other 20%. So four stars. I shouldn't technically have read that one out. 
as a four star because it's normally only five stars. But I, I respect the thought process that went into that. And to, to be honest, I don't know, you know, I kind of want to be a bell in it. It, it, it would worry me if no one was getting pissed off at what I said. In fact, the fact that I haven't been, no one's attempted to cancel me yet is, is, a, is a cause for concern. Uh, and this is finally uh, from Jack. This is from Jack T. After signing up for the mid-tier Patreon, I got really excited for my shout-out. To my knowledge, it never came. And rather than get over what's a mostly empty gesture anyway and move on with my life, I decided to leave this review. Really need those pubs open. Yeah, it sounds like it, Jack. It sounds like it. Yeah, just a reminder of the Patreon. It's not like I'll shout-out everybody kind of every week, but I'll just do them on a, on a rolling basis. And, and you know, hopefully for the middle and free-tier patrons, I will get around to you. And Jesus, Jack, you made me feel guilty here, mate. You know, I, well, now look at all the attention. You're almost as fucking needy as me with the reviews. Let's make it all about Jack. Poor old Jack who went into lockdown. Oh, there was a, there was a global coronavirus. There was a pandemic. But Jack didn't get his shout-out. Well, you know what, Jack? How many times do I need to say Jack? You know what, Jack? I think you should up from £5 to £10 now, Jack. Okay, Jack, it's all about Jack. Are you all right, Jack? Yeah, Jack's all right. Now he's got his shout out.